All right, award-winning TMG podcast in three, two. Hello and Happy New Year, everybody. This is Tony Barnhart, and after a college football season, we will never forget. We're down to one game for the college football playoff national championship. We're going to talk about that and much, much more today on the TMG podcast. We're so glad that you're with us. Uh, as we get ready to count down to Alabama versus Ohio State, we hope on next Monday, January 11th. But first, let's see who's here. But before we get started, make sure we want to uh, remember uh, our sponsor, APA, APBA, the unchallenged king of realistic, high quality sports simulation products. And of course, we want to thank David at Revelation Studios in Mansfield, Texas. Uh, he helps us put it all together so we can give it to you. All right, let's call the roll. Who's here today in lovely Sichuan, Mass? We have Mr. Mark Blaschen. Good afternoon, Mr. Blaschen. Good afternoon, Mr. College Football. How are you doing this afternoon? We are just happy to be here. Trust me. Trust me. Uh, in the Windy City, Mr. Herb Gould. How are you, Herb? I am great, and I am looking forward to putting some whipped cream on uh, this season uh, with this final football game. Yes, indeed. And from New Jersey, the Garden State, the favorite son, that would be Senator Tom Lucci. Senator Lucci, are you here? I'm doing well, Tony, and uh, ready to own up to how wrong I was about Clemson, Ohio State. Oh, my. Me and you both, me and you both, and we will, we will get there. So let's start here, gentlemen. We we now have. Uh, let's look back real quickly uh, at the games that were played last week in the New Year's Six. Uh, I want to go back and start with them. Alabama 31, Notre Dame 14. Uh, not a whole lot of surprise there. Although, Mr. Lucci, I would ask you this. The line on that game was like 19 and a half. In some places, it was 20. Right. And Notre Dame, tacked, I believe they tacked on a touchdown that was very important to some people. Yes, to a lot of people, that final minute. Yes, it was. Uh, those of us who took Notre Dame in the 20. Um, not expecting, by the way, uh, Alabama to be that vanilla. Maybe looking ahead, I, I don't think we saw anywhere near the best of Alabama in that game. Mark Blasher, what did you think of Alabama, Alabama's performance? I think, yeah, like you said, I, I you know, like what you said. I, I, I think they did exactly what they had to do to win the game, and and didn't put the the, the full accelerator down and what they can do. When we've seen it all many times over the season, so I think they're ready to to to, to get ready for their final push on, on Monday night. Well, her goal is you right in the middle of Big Ten country there in Chicago. I got, I got to confess that I did not see the Clemson-Ohio State game coming. Ohio State had really done and not done a whole lot to make me think they had that kind of behavior, uh, that kind of a game in them. But we talked about it last week. Uh, if the quarterback, if Justin Fields played a good game, they had a shot, and he didn't play a good game. He played the game of his career. Oh, yeah, absolutely, Tony. And, you know, the other part, and I think Blau and I were talking about this, I think they were finally healthy. You know, uh, they played without Chris Olave against Northwestern. They had uh, offensive linemen out of the lineup. Uh, they didn't have continuity. But, you know, that said, I was as surprised as you were to see them put that all together you know, in that pressure kind of situation. And, 
you know, that that run defense was just outstanding by Ohio State. That's going to, I think, be one of the most interesting things to watch is that that Ohio State D-line against uh, Alabama's outstanding offensive line. But, yeah, you know, that that really, you know, the other part about this is that it kind of puts Ohio State and, and the whole Big Ten, you know, mishmash that we saw in the fall on a different plane. I mean, now, you know, there was a reason to play and, and now there's some even more reason to play, but, you know, it takes some of that bad taste out of whether they were going to play, whether Ohio state could play. So yeah, uh, just a real, real positive step for Ohio state and, and the big 10. And, and Tom Lucci, Ohio state didn't win this game. They dominated Clemson. They dominated on the line of scrimmage. What, uh, what was your take on that? Well, the funny thing was, Tony, we talked last week about, and Hurt brought it up too, about how we kept hearing about the potential of this Ohio State team, but hadn't really seen it, you know, against the quality opponent anyway. Uh, that was it. And that was very, very impressive. Now we know why this, you know, that uh, Ryan Day was, was talking about this as being a generational team. I mean, they certainly played like it against Clemson, although afterwards, again, in retrospect, I think we saw Clemson had a lot more flaws than maybe of us maybe, maybe mm-hmm. realized. So, and I think Ohio State was able to exploit almost all of those. But we talked about their potential. This was their potential coming to reality, and it was very impressive. Well, we're going to talk about the matchup uh, next week. We we hope next week in just a little bit. But before we do that, I do want to uh, raise the issue among the group. We got word yesterday there was some reporting out of the state of Alabama that said that at, at least there has been a conversation about if, if Ohio State had a COVID issue, the game could be moved. Now, everybody that talked yesterday from Bill Hancock uh, every, everybody on uh, said, "Hey, the game is on a schedule." But, but you know, you're you're never as the, the best you can hope for is what your last set of tests are. Mark Glaushen, based on what you read and heard yesterday, uh, do you have concerns that, that this game might not get played next Monday night? Uh, you always have concerns, Tony, because this season, I mean, nothing nothing is guaranteed until they actually play the game. Um, what what uh, I, I think that, that Bill Hancock was right in coming out with an emphatic statement that it was, it was not going to be uh, – the game was going to be played on Monday night, barring some ridiculous – I mean, obviously, if Ohio State doesn't have enough players, uh, you know, if they have 15 or 20 or 30 players that, that are that test positive or, 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 or have contact issues, which I think was the big issue, uh, then, then you have a problem. But this gets, you know, it, it, the elephant in the room, obviously, which drew a lot of uh, uh, hysteria yesterday was, was the status of, of quarterback Justin Fields, who, who got banged up pretty good and, 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 and miraculously, you know, came, came from barely being able to breathe on, in the first half to, to throwing five, you know, three or four touchdown passes in the second half and, and leading the route, I mean, by a few shots. So is he healthy? Is he not healthy? What is his status? Because there's no, no news coming out of Columbus about his status other than we expect him to play and he's a tough kid. Well, I, I will share this with you. I mean, this, the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference absolutely believes the game should be played as scheduled. And again, we don't, 
we don't know what the what the COVID numbers are going to be because we we haven't had the last round of tests for this week. All I know is that Alabama. I was told you, Alabama is getting on a plane on Friday to go to Miami. Then they are fully expecting to play this game on Monday. Tom Lucci, I would ask ask you this question. I mean, th- this is a very difficult situation for to be in in this respect. If the club, if the Ohio State medical staff comes to their people and they announce that there's not enough players to play, that's kind of where the discussion ends, does it not? You you can't you can't have some higher body. Oh no, you gotta play. Am I am no, I wrong? No, am I no missing question. something? No, you're you're right about that. And and as far as the you know, there are so many conspiracy theories out there about you know buying time for Justin Fields. I, I would say a couple of things to that. First of all, he's got two extra days since they played on a Saturday, they're not playing again on a Monday. And number two, if you're if you're buying time for Justin Fields, and I'm not saying that they are, but if that's in the back of people's minds, uh, you know, how about be careful what you wish for because that extra time that you buy may get Jalen Waddle back on the field healthy yeah. and 100 percent with the Heisman Trophy winner. Good luck stopping that. Well, and, and that is that is a factor. We're Jalen Waddle, for those who don't remember, was the number one wide receiver at Alabama when this season started. Got hurt in the fourth game, was out for the season. At the time, they said, "Well, maybe he could come back if we make the playoffs and get to the championship game." He has play is practiced this week. No guarantee that is that he is going to play. But it is an an intriguing. Uh, situation, I would say for everybody, keep your eyes and ears open on Thursday and Friday, certainly by early Friday, because Alabama is scheduled to fly out to Miami on Friday. A decision, would you get, would you guys not agree? I'll ask you, Herb Gill, a decision has to be made by Friday to go or not to go. Well, I would think so. If you're talking about information here, yeah. You know, the other part, I don't know exactly their protocols, but you know, you put him in New Orleans and somebody sneaks out, you know, what if, you know, somebody on the Alabama side runs into a COVID issue? I mean, I don't know when, when is the last test, but yeah, if you're going to, you know, you need to, you know, I, I think Blau just mentioned it, you know, you, you never feel right until the game is actually uh, being uh, played, but yeah, I mean, you, you try to do what you can do. I think that's what we've seen this whole season you know, you be smart about it, wait till the last possible moment, and then make your decision based on the information you have. If the game is moved, it will be moved to the following Monday, January 18th. And that would be, after this season, that would that probably be a very fitting way for the season to end. So stay tuned. All right, let's talk about, let's talk about the game itself. Uh, because now that we've watched Ohio State play, guys, you know, we gave Notre Dame no chance to win this game. Uh, and we weren't sure about Clemson. But based – I mean, Mark Blaston, you tell me if I'm wrong. But based on what we saw, if that Ohio State team shows up and that Justin Fields shows up Monday night, uh, it's a seven, seven-and-a-half-point game. I think Ohio State's got a shot. Am I wrong? Oh, you're, you're right, Tony. And he, but again, the, the question is the health of Justin Fields. I mean, if if he, if, if he is as healthy, or if he's not healthy, and he and he, and he gets the magic uh, uh, formula that they gave him the second half against, uh, you know, uh, Clemson. I mean, then then it, it's a different matter. But 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 Luch, Luch mentioned it, uh, the the X factor for Alabama. 
I mean, I find it hard. I mean, it's mind-boggling to think that that the guy who won the Heisman Trophy uh, uh, last night wasn't even the best receiver on the team starting in, in August. That's, that's, that's amazing right. to me. That's right. That is absolutely amazing. Well, to think about this, guys. A year ago, Alabama had arguably the four best receivers in history, in, in its history at one time. Because remember, Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs were both taken in the top 15 picks of the draft. Jalen Waddell came back. Devontae Smith came back. Jalen Waddell began the season as the number one receiver. I think he had four straight 100-yard games. He gets hurt, and the guy who replaces him, Devontae Smith, wins the Heisman Trophy. He's so good, which says uh, I would say that the guy coaching that offense, Steve Sarkeesian, has done a better job. You know, Lucci, the Steve Sarkeesian guy is pretty good. Maybe he should get a head coaching job somewhere. Well, it looks like the eyes of Texas were upon him. Uh, yeah. Out of the blue, Texas reversed his field. I mean, because you remember the AD had said that, uh, you know, near the end of the season that uh, uh, Tom Herman was going to come back. And then all of a sudden, we find out that Tom Herman, regardless of the millions that Texas will owe him and his staff, is not coming back. I mean, I, I, I understand the reasoning. I'm not sure about the timing. It's, I, I find it kind of curious. Uh, but but I do understand because uh, Herman had four years with uh, with Ellinger. I, I don't think that they improved dramatically in any of those years. I don't think Ellinger improved dramatically in any of those years. Now they're going to have to start fresh with a new quarterback. And uh, he didn't deliver. You know, he, he was good in bowl games, but he wasn't good at, at getting Texas back to Texas level, which is to compete for the Big 12 championship. So I, I just find the timing curious because I don't know what the rush was to get Steve Sarkeesian. You know, uh, if that was their their goal all along, I mean, Mark and I were talking, and as soon as the news broke, I said they must have Urban Meyer lined up. You know, but uh, and, and I think Sarkeesian will do a good job. I, you know, he certainly has redeemed himself. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, let's see how he does with this. Well, Mr. Lucci, I will simply say this. You say the timing is curious. I, I think the timing is shameful. And for this reason, I went back and looked it up. And on December 16th, the early signing day, the University of Texas at Austin signed 19 players to come to their university. They had a press conference later that day where the head coach, Tom Herman, welcomed each and every one of them and mentioned them by name. Shortly after that, Chris Del Conte, the athletic director, a guy I happen to respect, let uh, put out a, a release, a press release, and said, oh, yeah, Tom Herman's coming back. So I'm just saying, I'll ask you, Mark Blasson, if if your son was one of those players signed to Texas, how would you be feeling about right now? Well, again, we we this is not new news. I mean, the players players sign with coaches, and 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 they're obligated to stay with the school even if the coach leaves. I mean, that's 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 been an an argument for 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 15, 20, 30 years. I mean, I mean, in my mind, in in, in a real world, and the answer to the is very. Uh, intent on making everyone happy this year. They should they should free all those recruits from from Texas commitments because of a change in coaches and want to make their own decisions. But you know the other the other thing about this guys is that I don't know you know this the Sarkeesian thing. I, I understand why they picked him, but I don't know that this is really going to get them where they want to go. I mean. They really didn't, you know, We when Tom Herman took that job, we said, oh, well, this is the perfect guy. He had proven himself at, at the group of five and also had proven himself as a head coach. 
Sarkeesian, you know, he has some head coaching experience, but he didn't actually light, he didn't exactly light up the world. And the other part is that I think people have pointed out Texas's offense has been pretty darn good overall in terms of scoring numbers. And, and that job is more than just putting out a good offense. It's managing a program. It's putting out a defense. It's learning how to win. And we'll see. I'm not saying that it's not a good hire. I'm just saying that I have more questions about this hire than if they had managed to get an Urban Meyer. You know, you, you Texas and Texas has got, you know, they, they've had a myriad of, of complicated problems there. I wouldn't I'm not sure they should be congratulating themselves just yet. Mark, here's what I wanted to ask you. You spent your time at the Dallas Morning News. You know the culture of the great state of Texas. They have been basically in the wilderness since they ran off Mac Brown. What is the problem? As an outsider looking in, Texas has obviously has more recruits than anybody else from a volume standpoint. They've got more money than you can shake the stick at. What is the problem at Texas? Why can't they? You know, why I, can't, I was thinking about this. Go ahead. As, as you were talking about that, here, here's here's what I think the problem is, and and and, and I just don't. I mean, in the last last day or so, is you know what the problem in Texas is? It is Texas A&M. For the first time in seven years, A&M is a top four team, and the people in Texas can't stand that. They can't. They they were happy. They have to be number one in the state of Texas, and for the Aggies to be to, to elevate themselves from also runs into a SEC contender and a contender for the for the national championship is driving them crazy. So I I bet you there's someone and some Texas X says, okay, we got to do something right now. Let's go in Alabama. Let's take Sarkeesian. He's the hot guy. Get him now. What? How much does it cost? Okay, it costs fifteen million dollars. Here's the check. Do, do it. I think that is the that was the factor in that decision. Tony, I'd say this. I like I'd like the quote after uh, Iowa State beat Texas. Uh, I think it was pretty small, but I'm not sure. He said. Uh, the difference between the programs right now, he said, uh, five-star culture versus five-star ability. There you and go. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's that simple, too, uh, combined with what Mark just said. You know, well, so. they, the, there's, there's no question they need a change of culture there. They, they just don't they don't play very smart football, and they don't have that many. You really look at them, watch them. They have good athletes, but they don't have a lot of elite athletes, and that, sh- that shouldn't be the case to Texas. So we're going to – we're going to watch that with much interest. Oh, one th- one other thing, guys, um, that I wrote later this week. You know, Nick Saban is going to have a lame duck offensive coordinator in Steve Sarkeesian. Well, it turns, out, it turns out that Nick Saban's got a little bit of experience at this. This will be the sixth time that he has coached in a national championship game where his coordinator uh, – Five of them, they've been lame ducks. They've coached, the, they've stuck around to coach a national championship game. He, he he fired Lane Kiffin after the semifinals, told him to go away and elevated, ironically, elevated Steve Sarkeesian, who was an analyst on that team and not a and not a coach. They ended up losing that game 35-31 in Tampa uh, to Clemson. So uh, it'll it'll be interesting how this all how this all pans out. Uh, when all is said and done, let's talk a few minutes about the Heisman Trophy. We have already we've already talked about the fact that Devontae Smith was uh, first wide receiver since '91. I guess that's Desmond Howard since 1991 to win the award. Tom Lucci, were you surprised that Devontae Smith won? 
Oh, well, my, my ballot, now that I can reveal it, it's over, was Devontae Smith, Kyle Trask, and be, only because Mark Lawson talked me into this, Trevor Lawrence. You know, I mean, if you looked at the if you looked at the numbers that Trevor Lawrence had this year, and this is not a case against Trevor, I'm just stating facts. They were all well below the quarterback numbers for all the other quarterbacks he was competing against. So, right. I mean, I, I probably should have put Mac, Mac Jones third, but uh, I, I just gave a nod to, to Trevor Lawrence. No, I'm not surprised. He was a he was a dazzling, impressive player, and it's it's time that you know we start to acknowledge that. I mean, if you're just talking about the best player in the country. Uh, it's it's hard, you know, to quantify sometimes defensive guys, you know, but offensively, I, I don't know how anybody could be more impressed with the season that he had, especially when Jalen Wilder went out and he had to be the guy. And by the way, right. Tony, if I'm Alabama and Jalen Wilder's in uniform, all I do is throw to him on the first play, and then I use him as a decoy the rest of the game if he's not 100%. Exactly. Exactly. You know, if he's not 100%. If he's 100%, I'm throwing to him 10 times. But if he's not 100 percent I've thrown the first pass to him, setting that up, and then uh, everything else is going to go to Devontae. You know, guys, when you look at the quarterbacks in this Heisman Trophy race, Mac Jones, 77 completions, 77 completion percentage, 36 touchdowns, only four interceptions. Remarkable. Kyle Trask didn't have a good finish. But he had 4,283 yards and 43 touchdowns. And Najee Harris, who was the fifth leading vote getter, uh, didn't make the wasn't a finalist, but he was just remarkable this year. So Tony, he had too much to hurdle. Yeah, <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> Pun definitely intended. <laughs> All right, but now let's let's turn the page here. We talked a little bit about the coaching carousel uh, with uh, Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, going to Texas, okay? That that will be be very very interested. Uh, ultimately, I, I wanted to go back to this question. Tom Herman had had been up and down, but he wins the bowl game convincingly over Colorado, and then they make the decision. Uh, Mark Glashen, what do you think was going on there? And as as Tom Lucci said, why why did you have to make this decision now? Uh, I, I, I just think it was some rich, rich Texas ex who who was caught up in the in, in, in the in the moment of Alabama's uh, success and Sarkeesian getting all, getting all the publicity for being uh, running the brilliant offense. Said we got to do better than that, and 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 attacking with A and M's uh, ability on Saturday night. A and M got publicity on Saturday night. Good publicity. They finished up nine and one or ten and one. They're going to be number three in the country probably in the final four. I think that was what triggered it. I mean, I I, I, I think two weeks. I mean, again with our old famous, uh, you know, phrase that was then. This is now uh, that 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 holds true again. I mean, the decision that was made a couple of weeks ago was was probably an honest decision, and they they were going to stick to that. And then something changed in the in the next two weeks, where where uh, yeah, money talks, and I think someone said, "Let's let's show me the money," and, and the money showed up, and it was done. A couple of other coaching moves I want to take a look at. There is some guys. It has not been the best of years for Dan Mullen at Florida. I mean, he had a he had a he had a situation where you know he plays Texas A&M and loses, and talks about the size of the crowd and says they ought to fill up the stadium when everybody knew that was not going to happen. There was a, a big skirmish at the halftime of the game with Missouri, and he seems to be out there yelling out for the crowds on and on. Uh, then he gets beat bad by Oklahoma, and you know and. and it's not his fault. They lost a lot of players. A lot of guys opted out, but he said, 
you know, that wasn't our 2020 team on and on. Now, all of a sudden, we're getting rumors and published reports that he's let it be known if the NFL wants to talk, he's willing to listen. Tom Lucci, what are, what are we to make of this? Uh, it sounds like uh, you may be angling for a, an extension. That could be one thing. I don't know. Uh, maybe he's trying to let the make the fan base appreciate him. Uh, listen, he has done nice things there. I, I don't think there's any question about that. This was not a very good year in terms of the tumult. But uh, they can certainly win the uh, SEC East most years uh, because their main competition is Georgia. I don't see anybody else really on the rise in that division. Do you? Nope. And and I was th- I'll be honest with you, just to digress for a minute. I was disappointed in what I saw from JT Daniels. I I thought he was a little more polished. And what struck me the most is his inability to connect on the deep ball. I I didn't think he threw a good deep ball. Now again, that may be rushed. That may be not playing enough. Uh, but I, I knowing what he had played against and the numbers he put up and seeing him against a quality opponent, I think he's got to make a major step up for Georgia to win again, although Florida's going to be without Kyle Trask. So yep. it looks like the door's open for Georgia. So yeah. maybe, it's hard to tell with Dan Mullen because uh, he tends to be a little like Dabo. He tends to be all over the place. You know, so no. you don't know what to believe and what not to believe and, and really what his angle might be. Well, if, if something happens at Florida, we will we will all write and talk about the fact that, this, that the season for Florida hinged on a thrown shoe. My goodness, <laughs> what a crazy game. What a crazy game. Oh, God, listen, you guys follow the NFL more than I do. So I got I got to ask you, Urban Meyer in the NFL, I don't see that. Mark Lashen, I don't see that as a fit at all. What's going on there? Oh, I think it's I don't think it's a fit at all unless you unless you look at Jacksonville. I mean, Jacksonville is I talked to Mike Bianchi yesterday, our, our buddy from Orlando, who had one of the great lines of uh, I've seen this season when he, when he was he was talking about Urban Meyer coming back to Jacksonville. He says that's like Rudy for the shark in Jaws in, in that battle. Uh, uh, but I think I think Jacksonville's got the situation because they, they they'll have control. They can be able to have a new general manager. They'll have a general manager, and he's going to have a he's going to have a franchise quarterback, probably Trevor Lawrence, and 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 he can he can uh, uh, he can. Challenge. I don't think Urban Meyer's going to go back to college coaching because I think he's proven everything he can in colleges. He's won yep. national championships at two different places. I mean, undefeated seasons. What can he prove? And he's got to put it with all the protocol and, and and rules. I think he wants a challenge, and I think the NFL is a challenge, especially if he can win in the NFL. And Nick Saban uh, obviously did not. I mean, I think that Urban Meyer will will, will then use that as, as motivation for Urban Meyer. I just wonder knowing Urban Meyer, how he can handle professional athletes and how, well, how, how that's going to go. You're right. Yeah. I mean, but it, 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 I think with the, the Belichick type of mentality, I, I think is what he's, what he's looking at. And, and guess who's very close to, to Bill Belichick is Urban Meyer. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Herb Gould, I wrote myself a note down here to ask you this question specifically. And the question is, Jim Harbaugh to get an extension? Question mark. Really? Question mark. Yeah, it, it's kind of hard to believe, isn't it? Uh, I think that w- what we're talking about there is that Michigan, you know, unlike you know the Texas schools and 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 many other schools, they don't they don't really do that deep pockets. You know, let's go tear it up and start all over and. 
I, you know, I think that's part of it. I, I just think that they are very bottom line oriented. And I think in this year, the bottom line has prevailed over, you know, the, the competitive juices, uh, you know, and all of that said, I mean, the other part, and, and I think about this just in the abstract, if Jim Harbaugh can't be successful at Michigan, who can, you know, Ooh, I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, the, and I'm not saying that that justifies an extension for what has been a really checkered, uh, you know, start for, for Harbaugh. We're six years of this. Um, I, I don't understand it either, except to say that, you know, the bottom line and, and we saw it when the Big Ten canceled its season and did, you know, it's not always athletic people that are making all of these decisions. And it, it, it just, yeah, it, we'll see how that develops because it's a tough one, especially when you look at who's in that division. But, guys, uh, uh, Harvey, I, I agree with you, but you got, again, we have to step back. Uh, again, I, I know it's a factor, but if you throw out the Ohio State series, which, I mean, I, I know for Michigan is almost impossible to do, overall, I looked at his record. I mean, he is, I think he's 42 and 16 in seven years. I mean, he's, he's gone eight and four. This is his first bad year. I mean, he had he had eight, nine, ten wins again. So overall, it's not that bad a job as compared oh, to come on, Bob, the Well, you know, you can you can do. You, you know, yeah, you really. you can. Yeah, you can argue it either way. I mean, I, I understand I could, that, but, right. but but I you know the other part that I look at is he, he has never given himself a quarterback that you can win at the highest well, level with, and and that offense has just been so sloppy and messy. It it took down what should have been a good defense in, in the increasingly, you know, you're right. The wins and losses are, aren't necessarily an indicator though. You know, they, they just, you know, you don't beat Ohio state. I mean, he had oh, a couple of stumbles yeah, against Michigan state. They're, they're not, they're not Michigan who Michigan wants to be. No, I, I agree with you hundred percent. And, and uh, but you have to get an extension because you can't, you can't have him be a lame duck coach. I mean, you can't be, you'll get killed even more recruiting that way. Even though, I think they're going to give him a cut and pay. I think his message is there. He gets an extension with a cut and pay, which I'm not, I don't know if said accept. Yeah. I think the other part, you know, we saw that what Illinois did with Lovey Smith was, you know, they, they gave him the years and the extension, but they controlled the buyout so that when they did pull the plug on, on Lovey this year, they weren't on the hook for a lot of money. And I don't know exactly, I haven't seen all the details of the Michigan situation, but that's the compromise <laughs> that you need to undertake when you want to keep a guy for the reasons you're saying, but yet you don't want to be stuck with him or a big financial buyout. Let's let's be honest. Let's Tony. You can you you know you can talk about this too. Let's be honest. I, I mean, look at the hiring so far. There's been some slim pickings out there. I mean, don't yep. you think that Auburn reached a little bit? Texas, you can argue maybe reached a little bit, even though Sarkeesian said Alabama. Uh, it, it's not like there's this uh, you know this this wealth of coaching talent out there. Yep. That it's just a matter of going down. Which one do we want? I mean, it's it's no. That's ex- that's ex- that's exactly pickings. right. Yeah, that's exactly. It. Well, it's been a weird year all the way around. I got I got one more que- uh, coaching question uh, for you guys, and I want I want to run it around the table. After the Notre Dame Alabama game was over, predictably you were going to get the question to Brian Kelly, the coach at Notre Dame, about being on this stage and not really doing well on this stage. Everybody understands that. Uh, he got uh, he was he's tired of the narrative. I understand that. At the end of the day guys 
the fact this was his fourth straight season. Herb, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is his fourth straight season of 10 wins or more. He's been in the playoff twice and played for the national championship back in 2012. It, isn't that a pretty good run for Notre Dame? Should Notre Dame fans be think that they're not getting what they should be getting when, when they're winning 10 games every year and getting in the playoffs, you know, a couple of times? Yeah, you know, Tony, I mean, I, I, I wrote about this at, at the TMG website uh, yesterday. And, yeah, they need to decide who they are because you're not going to beat the, you know, the Alabamas and Clemsons of the world unless you can recruit against them. And they, for various reasons, including academic issues, are not recruiting, you know, to that level. But at the same time, they're saying we're here to win national championships. So they've got, you know, I, I think they had a terrific season. And I ran it by some alums there who, uh, who who played sports there, and they kind of feel the same way. You know, this is a good season. You're not going to you're not going to get credit for it because they weren't competitive in the in the two biggest games of the year. But if you look at it, that was kind of preordained. So, you know, I just wonder how, I mean, Brian Kelly said all the right things. He was clearly flustered with the post-game questions. I wonder if he's going to get tired of it because it's kind of a tough deal down there. I mean, there's no way they're going to make that next leap unless they recruit that way and they don't seem inclined to do that. Well, it, that is going to be going to be interesting. Hey, got, let me t- do one more topic. We're going to leave today. We're, we're going to all pick the Alabama Ohio State game, but I'll get to that in this. You guys saw the brawl between Mississippi State and Tulsa in the Armed Forces Bowl, of all things. It was it was a really really ugly finish when all was said and done. Tom Lucci, if I made you the czar of college football, this this game was chippy. The entire game because I watched most of it, and the officials, they you know they call uh, you know unsportsmanlike here, unsportsmanlike there. If if Tom Lucci, if I made you commissioner of all of college football and you could make a change, how would you address this? Because it's clear that the message is not getting through on some of these games when because most most of these fights you could have nipped in the bud early in the game. Well, I mean, why not follow the NFL model? How about fining schools? Hit them where it hurts. And don't make them small fines. I'm not talking about $10,000. Talking about, you know, if if you're involved here and we have the proof and it's on tape, uh, we're taking $250,000 from you. And we have the ability uh, to suspend players for the following season and have eligibility. Uh, You know, it's real simple because that that, that was embarrassing. Uh, It was ugly. Uh, it was everything that college football should not be. And, and, And like you said, it was going on. It was going on all game. And it's kind of funny because, as I was watching the end of that game, when Tulsa tried the onside kick, there really was a penalty that was missed for a, for a bad uh, blindside block, which kind of fueled it even more. I don't know if people saw that, um, that, that fueled it even more. A Tulsa kid just got absolutely clocked when the, when the ball was still rolling and it should have been called. So it's a combination of fines, suspensions, and maybe, uh, just maybe from what I've seen this full season, Tony, better officiating. No. You got you got that. Well, to me, to me, the officials have a lot of responsibility. But you know what? The head coach has a lot of responsibility too. One idea, one idea, and I think I shared this with Blau. In track and field, you have a race, and somebody false starts. The, the false start is charged to the field. So if there's a second false start, 
you were disqualified. I'm looking at something like this for football. You know, once you have, just pick a number, four, five. Once you have four or five unsportsmanlike penalties, that's when the officials say, okay, that's it. Everybody gets charged with one unsportsmanlike, and if you have another one, you're out of the game. This I saw this in a game earlier this Well, I think it was the brawl between Missouri and Florida at halftime. What the officials did in that game to reconstruct to reassert control of the game is they gave everybody on both teams one person uh, unsportsmanlike penalty. So if he got another one in the second half, he was out of the game. But that was uh, embarrassing. And I'll I'll be interested to see what comes out of the commissioner's office and uh, when all is said and done. Let's wrap it up here. National championship game, we hope, Monday night. Miami Gardens, Florida, the Hard Rock Stadium, Alabama going for another national championship. Ohio State, remember Ohio State beat Alabama in the semifinals of the first ever college football playoff. Mark Blauschen, who who wins the game and by how much? <laughs> what is the status of the quarterback at Ohio State? That's the key question. I mean, I, 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 mean, that's, I can't answer a question until I know uh, if he's healthy or not. If, if, he, if he's completely healthy, uh I, I think Alabama win. I would take the over in that game. Even though the over is 100 points, I would still take the over, I think, in that game. Alabama covers the seven and a half and whatever that is. Correct. That's that's what I think. Herb Gould, you can take the seven and a half if you want. Does, 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 does Who wins the game, Alabama, Ohio State? You know, I, I – I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if Ohio State stayed, you know, if Ohio State covered, but that would not be the way to bat. I, I think that Alabama wins a high-scoring game and they win it by 10 points. Tom Lucci, who wins the game and by how much? Roll tide, Tony. Yep. And uh, wait till you see what Mac Jones and Waddle and uh, Devontae do against the 117th-ranked pass defense. Uh, I think Alabama wins by two touchdowns at least. Alabama tacks on a late touchdown to drive everybody crazy. <laughs> they, they they win. They win by 14, 14 and a half. And oh, by the way, guys, if that happens, that will be the seventh national championship for Nick Saban, more than any other coach. And oh, by the way, he signed the number one recruiting class in the nation back in December. Just thought I'd mention that. So, all right. Well, gentlemen, it has been a lot of fun. We will have another TMG podcast next Wednesday that we'll, we'll put up and we'll look back on the national championship game, assuming it's played, of course. And we look forward to that. So before we go, we want to thank our sponsor, APA, A-P-B-A, the unchallenged king of realistic, high-quality sports simulation products. And we also want to thank David at Revelation Studios in Mansfield, Texas, for putting this all together. It has been a fun season. We look forward to talking to you again next week. For Mark Blouse and Herb Gould and Tom Lucci, this is Tony Barnhart. Happy New Year, everybody, and carry on. <laughs>